We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Draft is just a couple of weeks away, and we are joined today by Travis May on Road of His Overtime to talk through wide receivers and tight ends. We are fortunate enough to have Travis for a little bit of time here, and we're going to do wide receivers tight ends today. We're going to be back with our second show of the week, looking at running backs and quarterbacks. So a bit of a NFL Draft deep dive, and nobody better than Travis to get that information from. He's always our go-to at the start kind of the draft season. I know it's only three weeks away, but we love to get him in, and we're hoping to have him back on after the nfl draft again you can obviously get him on twitter at ff underscore travis m travis welcome back to the show i know myself and sean are very excited to have you back here hey glad to always join my rotoviz people and uh just see you guys again uh, i know i listen into you guys so it's, I, I feel like I, I hear you guys but i'm not really talking i can't talk back to the podcast so <laughs> it's good to actually talk back to you guys now so this is this is great thanks for having me yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun, and uh, I think Sean Travis may be the most recurring guest on the OT podcast. We aren't a big guest podcast, but Travis hey, may be may be up there go. at the top of the list now. I'll I'll take it. I will take it. Uh, it it's funny. I guess it was when I started doing some uh, work for Rotoviz. I guess it was like early 2019. So yeah, it's it's I'm old now, right? I, I think that's what that means. Something something I think we're like that. We're all getting so. old. I think that's, uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, we would not yeah. uh, our dynasty values would not be high if we were in the nfl right now <laughs> given yeah, our I, ages <laughs> I, I mentioned to the guys before we started recording uh my voice may not be as strong as it, as it usually is on today's recording my daughter turned five over this past weekend and you're talking about feeling old uh, i'm like where did those five years go i know <laughs> that you have a, a young child in the house as well so these things yeah. move very very quickly but they Sean, do we are jumping into the draft conversation, and I'm going to let you kick it off with the wide receivers. And you made a, a little bit of a, I don't know if it was bold, but on our recent show, you, you mentioned JSN and where maybe he should be going in those super flex drafts. So we'll, we'll kick it off with your, your opening stands on JSN here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to uh, throw it out there that maybe we should be looking at him. At the 101, at least in a battle there with Robinson. So we'll see what Travis wants to go on that. Travis, we got a bunch of questions for you about these top guys letting you 
you know, put a little detail onto them and then going to ask you about the sleepers. But before we kind of get to breaking down these individual strengths and weaknesses, things you like, things you don't like, uh, give us a, a top five. What are your rankings right now at the top of the receiver group? I think uh, my top five, and it's been changing uh, as I'm, I've been trying to grapple with a billion things and, and sift through all the information and and uh, you know project where these are with these guys are actually going to go. Uh, but I think it's still Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, clear clear cut one, uh, and then two Jordan Addison, and then three. I'm actually I'm ready to just be okay with Zay as my wide receiver three, and then uh, four. Uh, I'm actually going to say that it is Josh Downs because he's probably, whereas he might not have the same upside per se, and he has some size questions. I think we just kind of know what he is and he's got an incredibly safe, um, you know, proven production profile. So I'll say he's four and then five. I'm just going to go with Mims. Yeah, I've had him just outside my five for a while, but I, I'm I'm done with it. So I know that's, that's not chalk because I know a lot of people like Quentin Johnston and Jalen Hyatt, but uh, that, that's my five as of today. Well, you mentioned that JSN is the clear-cut one. That was kind of my first question for you. Are there any things that we should be worried about with him? One-year wonder status, the injuries, anything with this Ohio State effect? I mean, obviously, those guys, his teammates, went to the NFL and looked fantastic. So if anything, you probably look at that as a plus. But anything in here at all that gives you cause for concern? I mean, even the athleticism questions seem to be mostly cleared up. I mean, you obviously love for him to be a 4-3 guy on top of everything else but anything here that would keep him out of a conversation maybe to be the overall 101 just other than just the uniqueness of robinson <laughs> yeah it's i'm not sure about the overall 1.01 in, in in any format for me I, I love the the strong take there though but uh for me yeah he's i don't really have many questions with him uh and i haven't for a while he was one of those players uh when he was a true sophomore when you break out alongside two uh, future first round picks and you do it in an impressive fashion, you have two, not one, but two different games where you catch 15 passes and you break some records for even Ohio State, which has become, you know, wide receiver you. And really, frankly, it has been for quite some time. Uh, I, you know, you're, you're starting to impress me. And I know people want to say, well, he's only a slot. He had 80 plus percent of his snaps in the slot. Um, is that going to be a problem at, at, at the uh, NFL level? I think it was maybe it was Wilson's sophomore year where he moved more more so in the slot, and so people were thinking, uh, you know, he might only be a, a slot at the next level. And then he, the next year, he proved he could actually uh, be a mix of outside and slot. And you know, there's no questions whether Garrett Wilson is good at this point. Um, and I think it just has to do with where they put the best wide receiver or a particular archetype of wide receiver in that offense to succeed. Uh, that's why he was used there. I think he can succeed outside. I think he's not limited to one particular role at the next level. And that's been a common um, a common question that I've seen uh, come, up on, come up on a number of shows. And so if that's the concern, that's not really one of mine. And I know some had questions about his athleticism. And I think at his pro day, he proved to be enough <laughs> of an athlete at the position that I don't have questions there. And so he's got a fantastic peak to his production profile. He has... Um, you know, proven production alongside future first rounders, which you're going to have to do at the next level. You're going to compete and compete against top tier play makers. And uh, he's just an all around separator as well, just from a film standpoint. So I don't, I don't see why there's any argument uh, or how there's any argument as to who the, the best wide receiver is in the class. 
Sean had mentioned the 101. The other part is how good can he be when we're moving forward? Yeah. You mentioned Garrett Wilson. We've seen how quick he's ascending up dynasty rankings, you know, throughout last season into this offseason. Do you yeah. think, no, Sean again, bold. Sean has put in the notes here, potential to be wide receiver three and dynasty in 2024. Are we getting, do you, are you feeling those vibes? I don't know Always. if it's, it's that strong. I mean, it's possible though, considering, um, you know, where are, where, where some of the, productive studs that have been around a while are in terms of their age arc. And then, you know, we've got the Justin Jefferson's of the world, the Jamar chases and uh, the, the ascending former teammates of JSN and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And um, those are some of the top candidates to be in the conversation as the top overall uh, wide receiver one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely a chance that he gets up in that conversation, especially if he's in an offense where, Hey, from day one, he's going to be the primary target and they just shove all the targets his way, uh, there's there's real opportunity for that. So I would, let's just hope he lands in a, a fantastic spot where he can actually hit the ground running like we just saw his two former teammates that have said, have been on the record as saying that he is better than them uh, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, uh, like they just did this past year. So, yeah, I, I don't see um, a ton of outcomes where he's not the most productive wide receiver this year out of this class. It feels like we might just need to have a, a separate dynasty wide receiver rankings for Ohio State moving forward, just based on, <laughs> yeah. on the guys that have come out. Yeah, uh, Jordan oh, Addison, um, you know, in terms of his production, what he's done at college, any concerns though about the size and athleticism coming in with his profile? Uh, size for sure, but in this day and age, like we were just seeing smaller wide receivers succeed. Um, it's not like uh, they, they can be two, two at well size or smaller. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't uh, suggest that any middle schooler, uh, step 98 on pounds might be too club. small. Yeah. Yeah. 98 <laughs> pounds is probably a little bit too small. Uh, yeah. At least triple digits. Uh, but we've just seen a trend ever since, you know, early 2010s that, uh, you know, wide receiver classes as a whole are getting smaller. And this class in general, um, is ridiculously skinny, uh, almost kind of unprecedented. So, uh, unprecedentedly and that's too many syllables for me anyway uh but yeah it, it is it is an odd class for sure but when he he showed up to the combine and he ran like a 449 or something like that and people are like oh man that's so disappointing like guys the average nfl combine time for wide receivers is like four five two yes we'd love to see a skinnier guy be faster than that but uh, that's not a problem like and he didn't have <laughs> he did not have problems separating against the top competition or, uh, you know, when he was scoring like 17 touchdowns two years ago or, you know, almost leading the Pac-12 in touchdowns after, you know, being dinged up and missing games. Like, like I, he, he plays bigger than he is and separates just fine and had a fantastic production profile to prove it. So, you know, I think we're just overthinking it. And once you get to the next level, it's like you can probably add 10 pounds of muscle and, and be just fine. Do you have a an NFL comp that you like for him that kind of – illuminates maybe the upside the downside and i guess my other question would be you mentioned the production at usc with some of the things going on around him is there not some disappointment though that he didn't put up more explosive numbers after the transfer yeah and i think part of it has to do with uh just usc um and how they utilize their wide receivers this past year uh, and even when he was dinged up and missed some time last year he was still the most productive guy there um and moved offenses moved you know changes quarterback quarterback it, it's not i know we love to like plug and play these these wide receivers like it's just kind of like madden and it's just there's no learning curve and there's like it, that's really hard to do um 
So, I, I mean, he was playing up with a fantastic quarterback, and I would have loved to see him, you know, ball out even more so. But we just saw, you know, like Amon Ross St. Brown and Michael Pittman uh, come out of the USC. It's a different offense now, but like that, that spread kind of formation where they're all always basically three, four wide receivers, and they don't exactly funnel all the targets to one uh, player. And Riley's done that, uh, Lincoln Riley, that is, even when he was back at Oklahoma. Frustratingly so, like even with Mar Marvin Mims uh, or Mario Williams, who ended up following uh, he and Caleb Williams from uh, Oklahoma to USC, he he does that. He does not, you know, he give he doesn't give like 40% of the targets to one player is what I'm saying. And so I wasn't expecting that to be the outcome for Addison. Uh, I'd love to see more, but I just think there's a ceiling in terms of like our typical receiver dominator uh, ratings for these guys in that offense. So then you had mentioned a couple of guys that you don't have in your top five. Some guys who, especially with Quentin Johnson, very controversial, at least within the context of him being a potential number one for some analysts and a potential number one, I think, especially maybe for some NFL teams, but also a guy where. You know, you get almost some Traylon Burks vibes in terms of how people are looking at him, where even though there are some things where you're thinking, okay, this is the guy that he might fall to the back of that group. Burks did that to an extent last year. Johnson could fall outside the first round. You mm -hmm. mentioned you have him outside the top five. Is it a question of ceiling? Is it a question of floor? He seems like he has elements to his profile that really point all over the place. It, they that that's the best way of putting it <laughs> i think that's that's where i'm torn uh because uh you kind of have to squint at the first couple of years like okay you know in the games in which he played he was incredibly productive you know not 40 percent of, of the offense but you know he was still productive but why isn't this huge guy scoring more touchdowns why isn't this, why is this guy who's like six well, almost six foot four like like why is he body catching all the time and playing smaller than he is and in contested situations where he's supposed to be this dominant monster, like he's just not like he, he has a worse contested catch rate than guys who are like five, nine in this class, like guys that I have rated slightly over him. And I think it's because he lacks a lot of the, I don't know, just fundamental things when it comes to the wide receiver position. Like he's a big athletic freak. Um, and he has a fun yak ability. That's rare for a guy of his size. And um, you know, he's got a good enough, uh, analytical profile i guess we could say it's just there are questions there's not the peak of some of the players that we like there's not the consistency uh compared to some of the guys that we typically like and so that's where we have questions and when you have questions in both the analytical space and the film-based space and you marry those together uh i i think it, it, i struggle to rate a guy that highly with such confidence um just in general so he he's like my six um but so it's not like I have him like wide receiver 15 or 16. It's, you know, wide receiver six, and I still fully expect top 40-ish kind of capital. So it would be fair to say that he's someone where the landing spot may be going to be more important than for some of their guys. You said top 40. Do you think that he's pretty likely still to go in the first round, or are you getting a sense that he probably slides into those first 10 picks of round two? I, st I still think he goes in the uh, – in the twenties, most likely, I think there's going to be a, a, a significant run of wide receivers in that range. Um, you know, I think the over under expectation for wide receivers has been around for, uh, for quite some time. And he's probably in that top four. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if he dropped to wide receiver six ish. And then we've got to, we've got to grill you here on Jalen. Let's, um, Let's do it. 
I know this you guys is, are high on him, so this I, this is fun. Yeah, and part of it, I think, is that he's kind of the top of a new tier as opposed to being the bottom of the high tier. And so being the top of this tier that has so many questions at so many different positions, I mean, because it's not just, okay, there are questions here at receiver, you got questions at running back. Obviously, you've got crazy <laughs> wide outcomes for the QBs. You've got some interesting tight ends. I had a guy where the first couple of seasons, more or less nothing. And then the final season, and for me, the final season, when he's still very young and going to be an early declare and fast, which especially, and you mentioned Addison and how, you know, his 40 time isn't a huge problem, but it's also definitely not a plus in that these small guys, you do want them to be fast much more than the big receivers. Travis, you're our college football guy, kind of big picture. Obviously, you're not writing for us now, but you're the you're the college football guy. And <laughs> so you can kind of give us a little more context for what really happened here at Tennessee that yeah. would cause such a stark contrast between those first couple of seasons and then a 2022 where, I mean, he looks like a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, Tennessee in general has been like that's its own book, that's its own set of podcasts, just following that program. Because like over the past 15 years, they've been, you know, a dumpster fire. Like putting it nicely, like they've had all sorts of messes go on. Like they, like the fans have deserved uh this past year. So congrats to them because uh being Bama finally after this mess of like a decade and a half, uh has to feel good. And I'm not a fan, but it's been cool. Like I live in Tennessee. It's cool just to see my friends go absolutely bonkers. Uh, so anyway, but with Hyatt, uh, you know, going into 2021, I don't know if, if many people remember this, but Hyatt was like, he was on preview magazines. Like he was supposed to be the guy that was going to break out in 2021. And I don't know if you, if you guys remember what happened to Tennessee, but they got a new uh, coach, an offensive system, knew everything came in that year. I didn't do much of anything the year prior. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was passing out bags of cash and McDonald's bags and uh, all this, you know, drama ensued. He was fired. It was, it was a mess. Um, you know, he tries to bring in his own transfers, blah, blah, blah. Um, he tries to give the quarterback position to a guy who's basically uncle Rico. That is Joe Milton. Uh, Hinton Hooker ended up getting the job and just killing it. But Hyatt didn't really kill it that year. You know, uh, they, they brought in these these transfers like Velis Jones being one. Like, I think he was a year six at that point. Uh, Cedric Tillman, who'd been around, he was a big bodied guy. They're like, hey, look, we're just going to – our quarterback's terrible. That At the time, it was Joe Milton. He's just going to chuck it up to you. You just got to go get it. Uh, so he he was relied upon that year. Um, they, they brought in a transfer, I think, from Mississippi State even to try to make him be a thing for a hot second. Uh, and so Hyatt, where he was supposed to be hyped up and he was supposed to be this guy and he was supposed to go off. Instead, um, the new coaching staff decided to go with some older, more proven, trustworthy wide receiver options uh, to start the season. And so you saw guys that hadn't ever succeeded in their career go off like Cedric Tillman had done nothing for the most part, but he fit a role that they needed to play. And Velas Jones had done nothing in his entire career, and he went off to an extent uh, because they just needed that particular position and his speed, I guess, uh, trustworthiness. I don't know what it was, but year six versus a year two guy, I could see why the coaching staff would go with him over the inexperienced uh, Jalen Hyatt, who's trying to learn this new offense that's frankly weird and doesn't even translate to the pros. So there are, there are reasons why Hyatt had a disappointing 
true sophomore campaign. And they're kind of built in excuses there with the new system, uh, the transfers they brought in, the mess of it just, it was a lot going on for him. Um, and then this year, of course, uh, Cedric Tillman uh, misses time with injury and he was supposed to be kind of the alpha again, but Hyatt who has all the talent in the world to be this speedster, this, this vertical threat. Uh, we know this. In fact, several of my leagues already had him rostered thinking he was going to go off the previous year. Um, you know, he actually finally lives up to the hype and um, is every bit the the vertical playmaker that he needs to be. He's the perfect architect to succeed in the, the janky offensive system, the veer and shoot that Tennessee runs. And, and so it's just this perfect culmination of, hey, Hennon Hooker is hitting his stride in a way that he never has in his career. This offense that dominates college and has so for over a decade is is funneling everything everything through this one player and um and it and it's this this really just perfect culmination of all these variables coming together in favor of Jalen Hyatt succeeding and going off um and I think he has talent I think he has speed I think he has excellent ball tracking and he's got a, now a decent peak to his analytical profile and he's going to be an early declare like you said but his role doesn't exist in the pros like he's going to have to again show up to the, the NFL level uh, completely relearn the position essentially and in, in, in a way that he hasn't had to do uh, running like any kind of pro style uh, rap tree or offensive system in both really since he was a true freshman when he didn't even really play. Um, and so it's going to be a major learning curve for him. So I could see a, a very slow breakout, uh, you know, some splashy plays in year one, but I just have way more questions in terms of like how his, uh, his experience in the last two years really translates to the pro schematically. And um, he only is, He's basically just a go threat, like nothing else. Like there's literally nothing that he had, was asked to do for the most part, except for like two-way go routes. Hey, you know, you're going to go down the field and just change your stem in or change your stem out. Like there's not a whole lot going on with it when it comes to the nuances of the game uh, with right, Jalen Hyatt. And that, and that, that just, that's where I have questions. So with Hyatt, obviously it feels like you might have him a little bit lower than the next guys we talk about, but you'll be able to expand on that a little bit further. But the three that I'm going to pair together are Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, and Marvin Mims. The overall question, rather than going into the specific details, is do you feel that they're players that coming in are, you know, overrated, underrated? Is there serious risk potential with them? And, and how do you have those three guys in particular rank? So Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, and Marvin Mims, I think uh, if, if you put any of them as, as a, like, locked-in first-round talent, then they're overrated probably slightly. Uh, and if you have them any, you know, if, if they're round three projections, they're probably, that's probably not being nice enough to, you know, I, th I think coming into process um, of this year, uh, looking at all three resumes, I was like, man, these guys would be awesome day two wide receivers. And uh, Zay has risen up to like be, Hey, he might be the wide receiver one in the class. And that's probably a little bit too generous. Um, I, I've been high on him for quite some time, but that's probably a little bit much uh, downs. It's just kind of like the forgotten man. Like he's not even taking visits with teams right now, but he's got like his dad was an NFL running back. Like he's got the bloodlines. He's got the, the talent. He's got a really safe profile. Uh, and then Mims has kind of been slept on. He was a Debbie darling for a long time. And then we just kind of moved him down the boards because we got bored, I guess. So, <laughs> I mean, I like all three. Uh, they both, they both, all three deserve probably round two capital. One might go around one. You mentioned, these guys have some similarities and that's kind of like where we group them with elements of the size. But as you mentioned, I mean, they seem like they're being looked at very, very differently. And mm -hmm. when you talk about Zay flowers, potentially the top wide receiver drafted, I mean, that to me seems really odd when you mm -hmm. look at so many of the different 
elements there that we want, including even the, you know, the speed elements of it. But then when you watch him play, you're like, well, yeah. you can get why people like him because yeah. right off the line, he's wide open. And there's a huge value. Like all day. Like it, yeah. Yeah. So, so you can understand that, but so many of the things when you're talking about the top receiver, I mean, they're just not there for his profile by contrast. I guess the one I'm interested in for just a tiny bit more detail here is why you mentioned the Debbie community and having Mims fall and, and those kinds of things happen, but there is also a little bit of a tracking of the NFL community where, you know, I'm not as plugged into what people are saying, not mm -hmm. being on Twitter. Sure. And I like that at the same time, <laughs> I definitely don't get the vibe that Mims is being discussed in the NFL community or is being ranked as a potential, you know, 25th, overall pick where i mean he's got the athleticism he's got the vertical ability are, are people worried about similar things with mims that you mentioned with hyatt where they don't think that some of the things that he does actually translate because i mean this guy seems like he could actually be i mean for me if i didn't know that the nfl was down on him he would be my number two behind jsn Wow, that's that's fun right there. Cause like it's I think um two or three years ago, you wouldn't even be alone in that way in that in thinking that because uh you know people loved that he found success even when the Oklahoma offense was kind of falling apart. Like even in the year where Spencer Rattler was, was struggling uh two years ago and then Caleb Williams uh replaced him midseason and all the other wide receivers on the team that had high pedigree were supposed to be this, these freak athletes were still struggling. We're like 10 yards per reception guys with the super low dominators and, and nothing. And then you go to Mims and you're like, how is he averaging over 20 yards per reception in this offense? Like he's the only thing that's working. And uh, then he shows up to the combine and tests well, and he's got this, this production profile. Like he loses his quarterback before this year and has his best year. Like he loses the best college quarterback in football and he has his best season ever. Like it's, and he is an early declare. He's got all these check, check, check boxes going for him. Uh, so I'm right there with you. That's why I think wide receiver five is high, like super high for, um, you know, people that are doing mock drafts and things like that. But I think he is rising a little bit as people take a closer look and realize how is he different than all these, these smaller guys that we have around or two, uh, ahead of him because I don't think that's fair and I think I would not be surprised at all if he's uh, you know around pick 50 when it's all said and done and I I'm still dreaming that he sneaks into that first round yeah so, that would be so much fun <laughs> that would be so much fun uh, he'd fly at boards then Travis we have this kind of big tier of players where until we find out who the NFL is excited about it's kind of hard to get excited about him ourselves or them ourselves. But do you have a couple of, of sleepers here? I'm thinking about guys like Trey Palmer, who, you know, has the transfer, has kind of the uh, recruiting <laughs> pedigree, and then has the speed. You have Rasheed Rice, you have Hutchinson, Tillman. You've got the track athlete from Princeton. You've got Tyler Scott, got A.T. Perry, got Matt Leanders, uh, who to me actually looks like kind of an interesting you know, deep sleeper, but I mean, you're going to need the NFL to like one of these guys in order for them to really have value. Is that the case? Or do you have somebody that you kind of like, even if they go in rounds four or five, six? 
yeah, I mean, there there are a few guys that I like if they go in round uh, four or five, and some guys even that I, I think are probably going to go later that I think could could pop anyway, just given their natural ab- ability in the right spot. Uh, but you mentioned Trey Palmer, uh, Palmer at, the, at the very top there, and I think that's a name that uh, should be uh, higher, and I think he is rising really since the combine, and he was like the fastest wide receiver there. He has been rising somewhat in terms of uh, mock drafts, but people really haven't gone all in just yet. Um, and I'm not <clears throat> comparing him to the, the player, but I am saying it's similar in that I remember like how fast DJ Chark tested at the combine. And for a long time, he was still like, eh, he's, you know, he's, are we, are we sure he's going to go inside the, t- you know, day two or whatever? And he did. And it was because, you know, the fastest wide receiver at the combine almost always, whether they're good or not, gets overdrafted. And so I think Trey Palmer, I guess four is probably pick 100 and he might go much faster. Like he might be this year's Taekwon Thornton because somebody see, sees the size. They see the pedigree you mentioned. They see um, his uh, just, I don't know if I just said size or speed. Anyway, just his track speed and they see his uh, just ridiculous uh, final peak season and go, man, if I can figure that out, uh, he's going to be on the field all day long. Um, and so I, I think, he didn't. He was competing against top tier pedigree talent at LSU, so it's hard to break through uh, and and be the top of the target totem pole at LSU. He realized that they'd have a, they'd had a lot of changes within the program. He goes and gets a fresh start in Nebraska, and is immediately their wide receiver one. The, the the coaching staff loves him. His quarterback loves him. As was quoted as saying even before the season, like Trey Palmer's the fastest guy I've ever targeted, and his quarterback had just spent the entire previous season targeting Xavier Worthy. Uh, who, by the way, has like verified four four wheels and was like was immediately as a true freshman one of the most productive players in the country, um, and made Palmer one of the most productive players in the country last year. Uh, Palmer was what forty percent of the offense there, uh, and finally had an opportunity. And that's the kind of player that surprises us sometimes. They don't have the perfect analytical profile, but they when it's when they put it all together and, the, and it checks like they check every box of athleticism and you know peak production. It's like, okay, that guy's going to work out. And so Palmer could be that guy. And we have him a little bit above, I think, the consensus in the road of his rookie guide. So it's it's cool to hear you say that. Those things that you were mentioning are the things that got me excited for him as we were kind of putting the rankings together. Do you have, do you have any other, uh, you know, maybe one more guy? I don't even have to profile him, but somebody that people should be looking at. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett, uh, he he was above average at a lot of areas in the combine, but that guy that isn't like 90 plus percentile in something fades into the, the background oftentimes throughout combine season. Uh, you know, he's got the the pedigree, um, you know, coming into uh, college. He was a five star wide receiver, cho- chose to go to Maryland for some reason, uh, but he was compared to Debo Samuel coming into the process and he's got uh, a lot of fun swag. He, he wears the hoodie under the pads sometimes, so I, that automatically gives him like a full round boost for sure. Um, but for me, but, uh, he, he's just somebody who, um, they struggle with quarterback play and there was always two other decent wide receivers taking some targets away. Uh, in this class, there's three guys from Maryland that could all get drafted. So, um, yeah, I just keep an eye on, on Jarrett and where he goes and the capital that he, that he gets for sure. Well, I still have some Debbie shares there, so. That's, let's hope that, let's that's one of the few positive happens. notes on Jarrett that we've gotten. So that's, yeah. again, good to hear. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Moving into the tight end position now, and for people who've been listening to our best ball drafts, myself and Sean, we have drafted some of Dalton Kincaid as we get those lit round tight ends and then and best ball. We have seen some rookies over the last couple of years come in and have maybe not consistent impact, but have, have an impact. And there's a couple of players even from last year that are still pretty exciting. But it feels like Michael Mayer and, and Dalton Kincaid are up there at the, the top end of this class. Is that who you have at the top end? And do you have them in a clear cut tier or have you one of those guys ahead of the other? Yeah, I have M- Michael Mayer in his own tier. Um, it just o- away from everybody. Uh, and I think that it should far be, away from everybody or yeah. Yeah. A pretty, pretty good gap. Um, and that might not, how it, that might not be how it plays out with uh, draft capital. Um, especially because people have ever since like Daniel Jeremiah, I think, ranked him 10th overall or something in his top 50 like everyone's like oh yeah that's that's the player i'm gonna you know put higher in my mock draft now and that's just how it goes in, in draft season i but, can skew it a little bit yeah and but mayor you know he he had the five-star pedigree coming in and just was an instant difference maker for you know, what three seasons in a row it's basically notre dame is de facto tight end well tight end tight one wide receiver one uh pretty much for three years in, in a row back-to-back 800 yard seasons um all of his you know production like adjusted metrics in terms of the percentage of the offense he's taking up it's just like it's just across the board i have no questions he's not like a four or five athlete he's not like oh my gosh he's gonna fly by uh every single player in the secondary but he's just that that guy who's literally good at everything and uh is actually faster than i think tj hawkinson was um and might be a better receiver than he was i'm not saying he's a top five pick in the nfl draft but 
he just has no questions. Uh, I have no questions with him where he, he doesn't have, you know, I mean, really, like the knock on him was like, well, he doesn't have special athleticism. Like, how many like truly, specially, like y- unique athletic they tight usually ends play we have wide receiver if that's the case, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so there's just not many like him um, at all uh, that are that that safe of, of a projection. And Kincaid, um, it's interesting that you know that the the narrative like, well, he could still get so much better. You know, he's he's only played he like, played like one year of high school football. Um, but he's like gonna be 24 and so do the math like he's been around for like four or five years at this point and um he only had one really good season of production like where he wasn't back up on his own team uh, and the only reason that he produced in the way that he did, he did this year was because the guy ahead of him which by the way is like a 6-2 future undrafted free agent in brent kuthi uh he wouldn't even be a normal tight end in the nfl like he was ahead of him in, in the target totem pole last year like uh kuthi was out producing and had more uh, receptions just one year ago and he goes down this year and Kincaid goes off because Utah has no wide receiver. I could start a, a Utah, uh, Utah wide receiver that I couldn't, but you know, like it's really bad. Like their wide receivers are not uh, good. Uh, they don't typically have good skill position players. They had bad skill position players uh, last year, uh, but Cam Rising trusted him. And so you see highlight after highlight after highlight of, you know, him making some ridiculous contested catch because He's not actually open all the time, and he's the only guy to target. <laughs> like he's <laughs> so um, a lot of a lot of production, and it was impressive. He was like you know one of the most productive tight ends in the country. And Utah was good, uh, but I just it's it's not as cut and dry as like oh man he's just the best receiving tight end in the class. That's probably Sam Laporta, you know. So it's like I don't know. He's just not as sure of a thing that I think a lot of a lot of people were trying to make him out to be. It's cool to hear you talk about Mayer in that way and to reinforce some of the things that are very clear in the prospect profile, Mm -hmm. but get lost, I think, when you first watch him. Because you pull up highlights of the two guys side by side, and I mean, they don't don't look similar, even though you do have a couple of amazing catches from Mayer. And then you watch the combine, and I mean – you, you noted that his athleticism is actually not that bad, that he mm-hmm. actually looks a lot worse than the numbers are. But, I mean, he yeah. looked like he was struggling to to move around. And I, so, I think that that – I mean, that can't help. But as you're just watching, you know, you know, the way that the brain works, even though when you're fighting against it, to think, I mean, these are some red flags. I mean, maybe someone like a Jason Witten jumps to mind as a player who, I mean – didn't look like he had NFL athleticism, but it's like one of the best tight ends of all time. I mean, could we be looking at that kind of a dynamic there? And even though, I mean, Gronkowski actually a fantastic athlete, but not someone who looked like a fantastic athlete when he's out there playing. It looked like he's dragging his legs behind him and yet yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. I, I, to me, he's, he is exactly Zach Ertz, you know, like Zach Ertz isn't an elite athlete either. And he was just a PPR monster uh for for the tight end position uh but he's just always on the good at blocking he's too good at route running he's too good at actually beating man coverage and and playing physically and winning in the red zone and everything that you want your tight end to do that he's just going to have like a 12 plus year career and end up being the most productive bunch out of this bunch by probably a lot but yeah (laughs) he's not he's not like you know kyle pitts so well, and that may be not a good sexy. Thing. So then we we look at the the second tier <laughs> yeah. for you here, Travis. Oh, and I mean, this is an interesting group because 
I mean, these guys have a lot of differences, and yet the the similarity is that you have Washington, Musgrave, Laporta, who we just mentioned. You know, these guys, I mean, they're real athletes. And I mean, maybe there are some size elements to them where some of the lighter players, I mean, they need to be that athletic. But I, you've already given us a little bit of a teaser here. But who is the guy? And what do we need to know about some of the players where they've had interesting elements to their journey that maybe has limited their production? So that part of it is still an unknown. Yeah, I don't know. Washington's the one where we really have to squint analytically speaking because, like, what's his peak receiving yard market share number? Like 11, like 11, something of like 12%. I don't know what it was. It was not great. Um, and that's mainly because uh, he wasn't asked, asked to be the lead tight end option there as a receiver uh, for the past few years because that's been Brock Bowers, um, who actually tied in one in this class if he was in it. Uh, so he'll be the tight end one next year by 20,000 miles. And so when you're sharing uh, tight end snaps with somebody who uh, could have been a tight end one, I don't know, two or three classes in a row, you're not going to produce a whole lot. And so, you know, they run a lot of 12 personnel at Georgia, but they don't always uh, funnel t targets to their tight end too. So, you know, it's not the the perfect uh, receiving profile, but uh, the concept, proof of concept is there in isolated moments with uh, Washington. And he's got the five-star background. And for those people who, don't follow recruiting like I do. We didn't know where he was going to play athletically speaking. Like we didn't know coming in for, I don't know, for two years, he was like a five-star recruit. And it was like, well, he could be an edge rusher and, you know, destroy people's face off the edge or that he could just convert to offensive tackle because he's as big as an offensive tackle. So we didn't know if he's going to play any of the five offensive line positions or an edge rusher, or if he was going to be tight end, like he could have gone any, in any way and probably played at the NFL at, at any of those positions. And so, we're just here now looking at him we're like, well, he's, he's an absolute freak. Like, I don't know what to do with him still, but uh, if they figure this out with the tight end position, uh, he could just be around for 15 years and dunk on little tiny defensive backs that, you know, the NFL has leaned towards for the past decade. So I, I really like him, but, and there are questions with his profile, but more than anything, Washington, I think has a, a lot of questions. Um, I like a, a few of the other guys, but like, I don't know what you guys have already heard with our Darnell Washington. Does that sound about right? <laughs> yeah. It, and both fun and, you know, Vernon Davis, for example, someone who was such a great blocker that did have to block at times. And there was even talk at one point of him becoming a tackle. Any concerns at all that, you know, you might get a full transition there from someone you draft in fantasy. <laughs> You know, I don't think he's actually that good of a blocker because he hasn't actually played the tackle position for the past three years. I think he could have gone that route had he made that switch before. But I don't think – I think at this point they just realize, look, he's probably going to play at like 275 pounds, and that's okay. <laughs> um, and if we need him to destroy the defensive end off the edge, he can, which is why I think just kind of like early last year we saw Jelani Woods have a super high snap count right away. I think – Donald Washington might might have this second highest snap count, um, you know, halfway through his rookie year of this bunch, and then that turns into receiving production down down the stretch um, as you approach your fantasy playoffs. Hopefully, so we are obviously going to have Travis back later in the week on the Wednesday episode. We're going to talk running backs and quarterbacks, but you can follow him on Twitter at ff underscore travis m. He is the lead college football analyst over at mojo so i've told you where you can find him on wednesday that is the road of his overtime podcast so make sure you come back here and listen for that but anything else coming up here towards the draft that you want to mention travis 
Well, what I've been doing uh, since I joined Mojo is is making a sports stock market, and and that is uh, a challenge. So, uh, making sure that everything is in line and all the prices uh, are where they uh, should be based on all the buying and selling and um, all the large scale data that we have, and uh, it, it's been a challenge. But we have like a hundred. NFL prospects that uh, will be moving basically with every draft pick uh, on draft day. So uh, it's going to be super exciting just running something that hasn't existed before. <laughs> so um, I get all, all the questions, especially like from my uh, friends, you know, in person, like a sports stock market. What? It, what? <laughs> like, what do you do again? Uh, explaining what I do is, is uh, a challenge, but um, it, it's fun because, you know, I've had even on the shows that I've joined this draft season, you know, people, have, you know, oh, so, you know, it's, I'm not in New Jersey, but I can use it as like a, a player value tool. Uh, or if they are in New Jersey, you, know, you can play because we're not like live everywhere. Um, but, you know, jumping in and, you know, trying to predict who's who's going to be the draft day faller or because you can actually go short on players and kind of bet against them now <laughs> uh, or like who's going to be the riser. Um, so. And then me like te teetering this line of not not saying too much because I can't actually give like advice like technically, <laughs> it's it's been uh, a lot of fun. But um, so yeah, just look for my stuff over at Mojo because I do every once in a while when we have like a new release, I'll write up a bunch of players. And so if you want to learn some about you know a few hundred college players here in a few weeks when I've, after the draft's done, I'll I'll be having another another release there. Um, but you can also check out the uh, College of Canton podcast with Stefan on Rotoviz Radio. No less. So uh, check that out. But uh, and if you just want to talk my leg off about uh, how I'm wrong on your your favorite player, that's fine. You can find me on Twitter at, at ff underscore travis m. But really appreciate you guys. This is just always fun uh, talking to you too. Yeah, always awesome having you on. Looking forward to bringing it back for the running backs edition here and some quarterback talk on the Wednesday show. So come back visit us then. Of course, my co-host as always is Sean Siegel. You can check out his work up on rotaviz.com find me on twitter at overtime ireland and until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.